Welcome again to One Mission, the podcast. We're delighted today to have Lynette Berg, who is a dear friend and one is also a very winsome colleague. We intersect a good bit in churches as she's there for celebrations of anniversaries and and the same. And I'm there as well for that kind of venue. And therefore, we have developed through the years a unique kind of relationship. And I'm so glad that she's with us. As I say, she's winsome. I, I, I say that with capital letters, and I really do appreciate her personality. And one thing I'll say, listeners, for those of you who understand Baptist life, she is the very best presenter and explainer of the cooperative program that I, anyone I know, including my own, my own life, my own self. So, the, Lynette, we're glad to have you. I know that you are about to do a transition out here in the future, but let's talk about the past for a moment before we get there. Uh, Tell us about pre-historical commission as a place where you served and what you did in your former life. Well, first, thank you, Dr. Lance, for the invitation to be with you this morning. Um, Before I went to work for the historical commission, I practiced law for a living, And I was an insurance defense lawyer, so it's litigation on the civil side. Mm. I graduated from Cumberland Law School at Sanford University in 1983. And uh, I taught a couple of years at Cumberland. And um, then in 2003, I came to work at the Alabama Baptist Historical Commission and have enjoyed every moment since. It's been the best gig I've ever had. Well, good. And it, it shows because you really seem to relish it. I do. And, and everywhere I've ever seen, people respond to you. And for that, I'm grateful. You, you've given, not that it didn't have before, but you've given the Alabama Baptist His, Historical Commission a real personality, a face. And, and I think that all Alabama Baptists who know you would say that, and I'm, I'm well aware of uh, what you've done through the years, but for our audience, explain to us what the Alabama Baptist Historical Commission is all about. What does it do? I would love to explain that. Well, what we try to do is help Alabama Baptists collect, preserve, and share their history and heritage. We do that in a number of different ways. One of the most important things that we do for our churches and associations, the entities of the state convention, the state convention and the state board of missions is to microfilm church records. Now, that may seem old, old school, and it is. But the reason that we microfilm records instead of some other method is that the experts, archivists, say that it's the gold standard of archival preservation that microfilm will last hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. And so what we want to do is preserve the story of what God has done in and through Alabama Baptists for those future generations that come after us, the people on whose shoulders uh, um, that will be standing. And, and for us, even today, you know, we think about history as old, old yeah. stuff. But we're making it every day. So what we want to do is not only preserve the old history, but encourage our churches and all of the people involved in Alabama Baptist life that this we are making history today. And what we're doing today is just as important as 200 years ago or 100 years ago, because those coming after need to know the story. Yes. 
Well, as a student of history and a lover of history, I do appreciate what you do, and I understand that for many, history is stale. I don't know how many times I've had people tell me that. Why in the world do you want to read a lot about history, and especially military history? And one person asked me that, and I said, well, I study military history in order to understand how we can make peace. Mm. You never know until you study war as to what peace looks like in between. So the history of humankind is a history of conflict. It's also a history of progress through the years with some setbacks along the way, and we won't get into all that. But in Alabama Baptist life, you have paralleled the run-up to our 200th anniversary that we'll be celebrating November 14 and 15 at the First Baptist Church in Montgomery, 200 years of really vivacious history for Alabama Baptists. As you well know, and our audience may not know, and perhaps it's not that important to some, but it is to people like me, 15 people gathered in 1823 and October 28, 29, in order to be able to begin what we now call the Alabama Baptist State Convention. And the Alabama Baptist State Convention, beginning in 1823, began a process that developed 22 years later to help found the Southern Baptist Convention, which began in 1845. We're the third oldest state convention, Georgia being 1821 in founding, South Carolina being 1822, and then we come along 1823. Now, that, that's interesting to me because we were first a part of the Georgia Territory as a, as a so-called state, and then we became part of the Mississippi Territory. But when we became a state, our Baptist people got ahead of Mississippi and other places and formed the third oldest convention. So kudos to our forebearers as they began this process. Now, in, do you enjoy, I, I know this is a loaded question, do you enjoy, I know travel is, uh, you and I have to do a lot of that, but do you enjoy being with churches when they're celebrating their history, their anniversaries? Oh, it's exciting to me. It's a wonderful time of fellowship. <clears throat> to me, history is about relationships. Oh, absolutely. And these celebrations that we have opportunities to uh, attend and worship with these churches, it's all about relationships. We get to hear about their relationships with each other within the congregation. We get to hear about the relationship with God individually and through the church family. Uh, I love going because every time I worship with a church that's celebrating a milestone anniversary, I know they're talking about God's faithfulness. Mm. And that faithfulness and that story of faithfulness is Alabama Baptist history. Yes, and by the way, listeners, that's when she gives that eloquent and very comprehensive cooperative program testimony. And I do appreciate that. We all do appreciate all that you do, but especially in emphasizing cooperative program, which is the missional fuel that helps us in doing all of our great commission ministries in Alabama Baptist life and in helping Southern Baptists as well, because Alabama Baptists give all, contribute almost 10% of the SBC cooperative program budget. And that's something to marvel at. And we're leaders in giving the Lottie Moon and IMB, as well as Annie Armstrong and North American Mission. So Alabama Baptists are not the largest at all. Uh, we don't have the mega churches that some do, 
we have very generous and sacrificial people in terms of giving. So thank the Lord for that. Could I just say one thing? Yes, ma'am. Of course you can. You're being interviewed. One of the reasons that I like to thank people for their giving through the cooperative program is, as you know, we're in a lot of different sizes of churches in different locations. Yes. And um, sometimes in in smaller churches or medium-sized churches, um, perhaps they... Uh, are discouraged in some ways. Yes. You know, think times are mm. difficult for them. Right. And I want them to know how significant their giving is and how much we appreciate that. And when I talk about uh, giving through the cooperative program and say thank you, I'm saying thank you for all of the missionaries, all of the state board missionaries, all of the entities. It's a, it's a, a gift to me. A pleasure and an honor for me to be able to say thank you and to tell them how important they are in the Great Commission. Mm. Well, you genuinely exude that kind of attitude, and again, I appreciate it greatly. I know in preparation for the anniversaries, often these churches call you in to help them. And what ways do you help churches prepare for a significant anniversary? Well, we help in any way we can. One thing we offer Uh, would be an anniversary planning workshop. Now, I've been doing this for 20 years, and I've been to hundreds of church anniversaries. So I've seen some things that were uh, very successful, meaningful, had a lot of impact, very moving, and then I've seen some uh uh-ohs that happened along the way. And I have gathered information and pictures and mementos, examples, from these anniversaries and collected them together. I bring those to um, the church. We throw them out on tables. We talk about how to use this anniversary in outreach and missions, how to use it in community relationships, how to involve all the different age groups in the church. Sometimes we think when we celebrate an anniversary, we're thinking about people who are adults, median or senior adults. But if we don't teach our children the stories of what has gone on in our family of faith, those stories will get gone really quickly. Yes, I mean, they really are our future. So how do we involve children and young people in those celebrations? Um, How do we preserve our history through those celebrations. Lots of things we talk about in these anniversary planning workshops. And then we do plaques for 25-year increment anniversaries. We do letters of commendation for other milestone celebrations. If a church has a pastor that's celebrating a significant anniversary, we would love to do a, a letter of commendation for that. Lots of different things like that. And we can support them in connecting them with people in Different, maybe they need to find some of their history. Yes. Maybe they need to know how to advertise or let people know about the celebration. Because the one piece of wisdom that I impart, and um, and it's not a real piece of wisdom, it's obvious, but people hardly ever show up for something they don't know is happening. And so how do you let people know this is happening? How right. do, How do we give them an opportunity? to come and celebrate. So we do lots and lots of things like that. We try to provide encouragement at whatever level the church would like. Um, We're always there for phone calls and emails to help them any way we can. So 
We want when that celebration day comes for them to feel like they are um, doing all the things that they're doing first to please the Lord, to bring honor and glory to Him, and then to provide a meaningful experience for everybody who gathers today on that particular day. Well, I can tell when the church is called upon you to help them prepare versus when they just kind of would fly by the seat of their pants, so to speak, and there is a vast difference. So thank you for all that. Can you think of, I'm catching you off guard here, but it just leaped in my mind. Can you think of the one of the f- funniest moments in one of those anniversaries? <clears throat> Well, I can think of a few, and most of the time it's because I open my mouth when I shouldn't. I went to an anniversary celebration one time in a smaller church uh, in rural Alabama, and um, and they the celebration was, was going well, and they had just begun the service, and all of a sudden somebody ran in and said, just a minute, just a minute, because the pastor was about to make the bathrooms announcement. You know, you'll yeah. find the ladies' room here and the, the men's room here. Right. They had had a septic tank problem. Ah. And, and you know, those that big a problem. pumping trucks, you know. Right. Somehow they had gotten the pumping truck to come on Sunday. And I don't know if you've ever been around when they cleaned out a septic yes. tank, but it's not a silent operation, yes. you know. So that was an interesting anniversary celebration Um when they, it was kind of a pause in the service while they took care of business uh, yeah. in that regard. Well, that is unique. Mm, uh, is that know. the kind of thing you were thinking yeah. about? Well, I can think of one when we were together, and the producer here and our communications director will probably not know this, but I was in South Alabama at a smaller church with you, as we often intersect in those occasions, and I was preaching away and I knew I had a problem because it happened the night before, but I had a cap come off on a close to a front tooth. It fell on the floor, and I reached down and grabbed it and put it in my shirt pocket and continued preaching and partly trying to open my upper lip. It was a quite embarrassing moment, and I can't remember if I was fluid in my train of thought, but I just did what I knew to do, reached down, picked it up, put it in my shirt pocket, and the next day I was in the dental chair and he was fixing it. And I said, would you do me a favor? Would you clean it before you put it back <laughs> in my mouth? Because it had been on the floor and that thought raced through my mind. So I couldn't tell by the congregation uh, if any of them shot. One man came up to me afterward and he said, that's a classic example in my mind of doing having to respond to something unexpectedly and proceeding. And he said, I've. I'll remember that. And I thought, well, at least one person will. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. I remember. And and you were. It was fluid. You were just preaching along. That thing flew out. You just kept going, reached that down, put it in your pocket, just went right on. And you didn't even slur your speech or spit on anybody. It was it was awesome. Well, I, I felt like I had a, a window in my mouth that, where air was coming through. But I know that's a bit gross, listeners, forgive us, but we're reminiscing a bit here, as we should do, especially for the— I have one other, if I— Yes, that'll go ahead. I was in another church, and the um, part of the celebration is the youth in the church had made these 
what I call funeral fans. Right. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, uh, yes. <clears throat> I, yes. On I, big popsicle sticks. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, they had um, made funeral fans out of all the different neon colors of cardstock, and they had attached them to the popsicle stick, and I, you knew they had done it because the staples were in backwards, you know. But oh. So everybody was handle, handed one of these fans when we came into the sanctuary. Yeah. And... We were going along, and then all of a sudden, all the lights went out, the air conditioning went off, and it was midsummer, South Alabama, hot, mm. and everybody whipped out their funeral fan and started fanning. So when I got up to do my, my celebration, it looked like a sea of neon butterflies out there. Wow. It was huh? very cool. Yeah, that, that is cool. As you well know, at junctures like where you are in transition to retirement, or redirection, I like to call it, no one fully retires in the Christian life and Christian ministry. But I want to ask you a question that uh, I think we all need to be asked at certain junctures. How would you like your tenure at leadership and being a part of the Alabama Baptist Historical Commission? How would you like to be remembered? Hmm. That's a that's a good question. Yeah, and it may take you a while, but I can talk while you think. Well, I I'll you know sometimes I don't think as well as I ought to, so let me just talk and then okay. I get, um, You know, there is there's a song. May those who come behind exactly. us find us faithful. Right. I I hope that Alabama Baptists will believe and think that I have been faithful as a steward of you their resources. Um, I hope that um, people will think that I have loved them mm. and they know um, that. and served them because I love them. Yeah, we all know that. By the way, I thought that'd be your answer, the word faithful. I can remember, I love that song, May Those Who Come Behind Us Find Us Faithful. At my installation, I, I've never known why you install a pastor or somebody in missional leadership like I am. It's not like you're installing a muffler. <laughs> but in my installation service, I wanted great is thy faithfulness to be in the early part of that quick, brief service. And at the end of it, I wanted may those who come behind us find us faithful. So that kind of legacy of remembrance is is all I would hope for. Just one word, faithful. And to the degree that we can be, and we're all feet of clay, I think you've done an excellent job at that. And I want to commend you on it. Now, let's think a moment about what uh, the 200th anniversary celebration of Alabama Baptist history in less than a few weeks here as we're having this broadcast. What, what are you looking forward to? Oh, I'm, I'm excited about it. <clears throat> you know, a bicentennial is such a big event. Mm. And when you celebrate 200 years of people cooperating together for the cause of Christ, when nobody made them, you know, yeah. I mean, this is pretty significant to me. I can't wait for that mass choir that we're going to have on Tuesday night. Yeah. I think that's going to be awesome. Multi-generational choir. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Multi-generational choir. It's going to be a big one, though. Yeah, it's we mass. <laughs> Pretty mass. Not and, in the Catholic sense, but in the large and, sense. Right, in the large yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's going to be exciting. I think the Tuesday night program is really going to be fun. 
But And we'll talk about different things throughout history, I'm sure. We'll have lots of opportunities for that. But what I'm also excited about is that the theme of unfinished. Yes, yeah. Because we've done 200 years, but unless the Lord comes back, we better get ready to go again. I mean, right. tomorrow is another milestone, and the day after, and the day after. And so this idea of that our work is unfinished, that means our history is unfinished. Exactly. So yeah. um, I know there will be surprises. I'm yeah. looking forward to, to seeing what... Um, the staff, the communication staff, and the program staff, and Karen comes up with. There's going to be so many good things. I'm I'm really looking forward. To yes, it. and I know some people think, well, at conventions you have to do business, legal things. We have to do uh, do things for legal reasons, I should say. And also, we do adopt a budget because we're an entity of, in a sense, and and we have to, we hear reports from our entities. They're not meant to be stale. We try to make them as fresh as possible. We do have inspirational singing, certainly, and encouraging preaching. And we'll have a lot of that this year. But I look at it as a reunion, mm. and this one being a special reunion. Now, I don't talk about this much, but I'm not a science fiction person. But years ago, now there's a reboot of this, but years ago there was a television program called Quantum Leap, <clears throat> where you go back in history. And I thought that some of those episodes were just brilliantly done. Some others were kind of hokey. But there, I have a desire to go back at certain points in history. Of course, you'd like to go back in the life of Christ and be there when you in person. We'd all like to do that. There are certain other times of history, but I'd like to go back 200 years ago and be an unseen member watching that 15, those 15 people gather. And then at strategic points to be able to come to the 100th anniversary. Now, I vaguely remember the 150th. I was not there, First Baptist Tuscaloosa. I was there for the 175th because that was my first convention meeting, and we had that in Shades Mountain, Birmingham. And I might add, it lasted at 10 o'clock. Uh, we did a lot on that program, and folks, I tell you listeners, that will not happen this year. We we never do that. We, we, we make sure that we are very economical in our time allotment. But I do think that our history is never going to be uh, something that the general public is going to be excited about. And many Alabama Baptists may not be excited about it. But there's a remnant of people, God always has a remnant in special ways, who will treasure and cherish our history. And in the days to come, they'll look back and they'll see our mistakes and they'll see some of the things we did. So at this juncture, in my opinion... We have an opportunity to look back at our history, the good, the bad, the ugly, and realize God had his hand in all of it. He used even our worst mistakes. And we certainly have much for which we need to be repentant. We always do. But I believe God can take the raw material of the past and build a bridge to the future. And speaking of the future, now comes the question. <clears throat> in redirection and retirement, what do you look forward to? Let me let me just guess. Being a full-time grandmother. Well, there you go. <laughs> I have three marvelous grandbabies. Three little girls, 3 years old and under. Yes, ma'am. My Ruthie is uh, 3 and a half. My Abigail is 2 and Anna is 8 weeks old. Wow, what is today? Yeah. Yesterday. 
How about that? And um, so uh, we are looking forward to spending some time with them, being a little bit of help to their mama and dad. Yeah, yeah. And Now, uh, do you plan to move up there? We will. Yes, we'll move to okay. East Tennessee. They All live right. in my hometown of Athens, yeah, Tennessee. okay. Halfway between Knoxville and Chattanooga. And All right. we will move up there. We do have to get our house ready and sell it in Hoover. Yes, I know something about that. So, uh, so you'll be moving from an Alabama Baptist to a Tennessee Baptist. There you go. Quickly. But yeah. I don't know quite as much about those Tennessee Baptists. Well, just a quick lesson. They originated with three conventions within the state. The state of Tennessee was first named the state of Franklin for a very brief period of time. And Benjamin Franklin got pretty upset about that, wanted it changed, and so they chose the name of Tennessee. They have East, West, and Central, and they operate kind of in zones in that regard And when they meet. But Tennessee Baptists are good people. My colleague there, the executive director, is one of my dearest friends. He's an Alabama boy. And so I think you'll enjoy immersing yourself in Tennessee Baptist life. But I want to thank you for a job well done as being one of the icons of Alabama Baptist life, especially during these last 20 years. Thank you, Dr. Lance. To our listeners, I want to say we always enjoy having you in the audience. I want to remind you that everything we do here through the State Board of Missions is undergirded and supported by your giving through the cooperative program. One Mission, the podcast, is an opportunity to share stories, to have leadership lessons learned and offered. And in these days of service, may we try to do what we've been talking about, and that is to be found faithful. I look forward to hearing from you and being a part of your life in the future. But certainly, join us for the next One Mission, the podcast.